Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Strange familiars. How art thou this fine evening, Allison? You should have just said, Riddle me this. How are you? Oh, that would have been better. <laughs> Riddle me this, Allison. How are you? I'm fine. How are you and the other members of the Legion of Doom? <laughs> Super villains all. In tonight's show, we're going to have the last installment for now of High Strangeness in Helm. I was going to present this in a few more parts, but we're going to go ahead and finish up Dylan's High Strangeness in Helm. Some of these stories aren't from Helm. He gives some background <laughs> from earlier times, but he does, in the end, come back to Helm and tells the story of another entity that he saw, which was the night after the one he talked about on last week's show, that kind of thing that he thought was a bad at first, but definitely wasn't. So we do bring it back to Helm, and then he tells the story of a green light that should be interesting to listeners as well. The High Strangers in Helm series was supposed to continue after Dylan. We were supposed to walk right into another story from Helm that we're working on that I thought we would have contact with this person by now, but it didn't happen yet. Hopefully we will be continuing High Strangers in Helm with another person from Helm also with some pretty interesting stories in the future. But for now, this will be the last of Dylan's stories, except I think we're going to get one more of Dylan's stories on a patron show later this month. So let's go ahead and get to our last segment of Dylan's High Strangeness in Hell. 
we're talking with Dylan again. And he's going to give us some background on something that happened when he was real young. How young were you when this? I was between, I was between two and three. Let's say two and three and a half. Okay, so this All is right. a real early memory. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is talking early seventies. So my mother and father, they went out to dinner. We had a babysitter come over to babysit me and my brother. I was upstairs. I was supposed to be asleep. I was upstairs in my brother's room on a mattress. My brother was downstairs on the piano showing the babysitter who was our next-door neighbor. Their oldest son was babysitting us. So my brother was downstairs playing piano, and I was upstairs on the mattress in the room. The lights were out in, in the room, and all the rooms, the lights were out. There were no lights on upstairs, but the light from downstairs was coming up, so that was kind of like my nightlight. So this was early, too. I want to say it was like about 8 o'clock. So on the mattress on the floor, I throw the covers over my head. And when I threw the covers over my head, I'm looking around in the dark underneath the covers. And I see this pinprick of light. I mean, it was very small. And I thought it was my eyes messing with me. So I was blinking my eyes to kind of like readjust underneath the covers for whatever that thing was because I just thought it was something, you know, something dealing with my eyesight. Yeah, yeah. So this pinprick of light, it started growing and coming towards me. You're under the covers. This wasn't under the covers with you. This was, but you could see it through the covers. No, nah, it was underneath the covers. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, this All right. was underneath the covers with me. Uh, okay, so you had made almost like a I like was a tent. totally under the covers. Kind of, yeah, I was okay. just totally covered. Okay. The way I was positioned the bed, it was like down in this area. Okay, like in I got front you. Of my stomach. So I'm looking at it, and after I finished blinking to try to readjust to make sure they was dead, it started coming to me. And coming closer and closer and closer, slowly and surely, and it was growing. And when it got to probably within three or four inches of my face, I threw the covers off my head because I didn't know what it was and it scared me. And once I threw the covers off my head, I didn't see it. It was gone. So I figured, let me throw the covers back on my head to see if I can see it again. I threw the covers back over my head, looking around. I don't see it. So I get up and grab the doorknob and tell my brother, I said, I want to come downstairs. And he came up and was asking me what's wrong. I was like, I just want to come downstairs. And he's like, now you got to go to sleep. So I had to stay upstairs. That's just, I just want that story out there. Yeah. Because I wanted people to know I've had experiences since I was a little kid. Right. That was the first. And I just remember that, like, last year that that happened. I forgot about it for a long time. How big was the light? When it started, it was like a pinprick. Like the tip of a pinhead. It was Mm -hmm. that small. And... To give you a better illustration of, of its illumination, it was like an arc light of a welder's torch. Okay, all right. But very small, mm-hmm. and then as it started coming closer, it was growing. And got it got bigger and bigger. And it probably got to no more than a half an inch, but that was way bigger than that pinprick. Right. By the time it reached, you know, within four inches of my face. So, from that moment on, things was different for me after that. I had a sense that I was being monitored. Just really? as a, even as a little kid, I just I never told nobody that. When I would be in the woods, I just felt like somebody knew where I was at. Somebody knew what I was doing. Interesting. All the time. So I had a lot of other stuff that I can't even I can't even go into and cover. But from that moment on, a lot of other stuff popped off with me. Let's jump to 1995. I'm home on a break from South Florida. 
I go around my neighborhood I grew up in. So this is D.C. or outside yeah, of D.C.? this is Merlin. This yeah. is Capitol Heights, Merlin. Okay. I grew up in Capitol Heights, Merlin, which is like 11 miles from the United States Capitol going east. Mm-hmm. All right? Town of Capitol Heights. That's where I grew up at. So I'm around there visiting because we moved. We left there in 80, and I went with my mom's. So I'm there visiting, you know, in 95, just visiting because the guys I grew up with still live there. Right. And a lot of them didn't know I was down in Florida doing the whole boxing thing. So the guys that were still there that I was always close with and known since we were one and two years old, I would go back and visit. And I pulled up on my buddy Rashi. And, you know, he hadn't seen me in a long time. He's like, man, I heard you was in Florida, you know, hugging and everything. And he's like, introduced me to his buddy Chris. And we're standing there, and they wanted to talk boxing. <laughs> and I'm like, they couldn't tell that I didn't want to have nothing to do with it because I was so entrenched in it. Right, I'm just yeah. here to hang out with y'all and let's just talk about, you know, growing Anything up as kids. Else. Right. Yeah, yeah. But they was talking about, that's what they, they just went on. And so I didn't say anything, you know, and they knew how close I was to, like, you know, the, the higher-ups in the sport. And they just wanted to drain the information. I'm just like, man, you know, it's just like, <laughs> please stop. But they were talking, and they were talking, and they were talking. And something said, look to your right. So I looked to my right, and there's a cul-de-sac down at the bottom of the hill. And beyond the cul-de-sac is a house. Down the hill, car to drive, down the hill, it's a cul-de-sac, and then the hill goes back up. And on top of that hill is a house. Above that house was a light. i say maybe 25 feet above the house roof. And it was green. It looked like green light at a traffic stop. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it, and it's pulsating. It's pulsating slowly. And I'm, I looked at it for, i say, about a minute while they were still talking to my left. And then I just said, hey, what's that? And pointed. They both stopped talking and looked. One of them said, what is that? And then I think another one said, I think it's a helicopter. So while they're doing that, in my mind, I put to the light, move to your right. And it trailed over and moved over to the right. And the light trailed behind it as it moved over. I say it probably moved over like 10 feet. And it doesn't look that far over from the distance we were at. Right. Because we were probably like 1,500 feet from it. But it, it, to us, it only moved maybe two or three inches. But it, I say about 10, 15 feet it moved over. And the light trailed behind it. Then I said, move to your left. And it moved back over. Wow. And so I was like, I, I kind of like laughed in my head. I was like. Wow, you guys finally, you finally appeared to me. I've been waiting for this for the longest time. Right. Then it pulsated and got brighter and got brighter. And then it like got real bright and just went out. To them, they said it shot off. I don't think it shot off. I think it just went out. Mm-hmm. So right after that, I said another two, three minutes. I said, I'll catch up with y'all later. You know, we exchanged numbers. And I walked down the street to my dad's house and went inside and sat down with him to watch Alien Autopsy. That was the day that they aired that. I remember that. That yeah. was the day that they did. That's how I remember the date. It was August the 28th, 1995, when I had my first sighting. It was the day that they aired Alien wow. Autopsy. And the coincidence of that is why I wanted y'all to have that story. Yeah, yeah. All right? So those two instances show I've been involved with this stuff since a kid. Right. Just the, the booster to this was dealing with the people out west. Right. You know, but I have been, it's like lots of other stuff that are just miscellaneous events that I don't even want to go into. And just for the listener, the people out west, that's the, the documentary. You right, right, right. Yeah, yes, just, yes. So it's clear so, for everybody. Um, on, that's 95. Okay, now we're going to jump to late 2012 out here. 
2011. But this was the day after that thing was above me. That black thing with the 15 by feet wide. Oh, okay. The, the, this was like the next night. Uh, okay, the thing that, that... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the thing that you thought was a bad at first right. and then hovered over your head. Right. Yeah. yeah. All that was concentrated within the same time. Frame. Wow. So the next night, just like usual, come out, slide the sliding glass door open, step out. Before I could even sit down, I just take a glance at the scenery. And before I could even sit down in the chair... Out of my peripheral, I could see something on the side of the house. So I simply turned and looked at it, and it was a small, black, humanoid figure on the side of the house. On the side of the house, above the kitchen window. I could see this thing clearly. It wasn't transparent. So the, the kitchen window uh, looks out to the deck? Is that, is, it looks is, out past the deck. It's, oh. on the side, it's on the left side of the deck. Okay. I'm just trying if to get you're coming out the house. So if you're looking at that, it's on the right side of the right, deck. Right, right. So that's pretty high. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's not like something... Yes, it is. You know, yeah. So, right. Yeah. This was above the window, mm-hmm. attached to the wall of the house. I look at this thing. I got a good look at this thing for about five seconds. Five strong seconds. Usually people say they see stuff, it's, it's there for a second, it's gone. Right. I got five seconds to yeah, stand there and look at this that's thing. That's a pretty long time to right? observe. I'm yeah. looking at it, and it jerks his head and looks at me, and then it goes down it like it releases and drops down when it drops down i'm struggling to see where it went i didn't see it nowhere i didn't see it vanish or anything it just was gone wow and i'm looking around for this thing and i'm like that was a crystal clear shot of that thing and again no details in the face no eyes no it was just a black head that turned to look at me now i started telling people that people that I was close to and I told my ex that and when I told my ex that she said you need to see a movie called Dark Skies I was like yeah she was like yeah because a lot of stuff you're telling me resonates strongly in that movie I get the movie man you guys should just watch it just watch that movie it's a scene in the movie same exact thing same exact scene the jerking of the head the whole thing I'm sitting there looking at the screen like this is incredible. Somebody knows this stuff is legit. That's why they throwing it in movies. Mm. This is right here in Halem. Right where you at. You know what I'm saying? How did the size of this compare to the it thing? It was the same size, but just close up. So as, as the thing that, that ran about, over, across the hill? Yeah, it think, it's the, I think it was the exact same thing. The same thing? That was okay. the exact same one. That was the exact same one, just close up. I guess it just got bolder, decided to attach itself to my house. Wow. On the side of the house, man. I mean, I gave you descriptions and stuff. This is the detail I know because we talked about this before, but I want to make sure to get it. You said the the leg of this thing looked like it was kind of hocked, like a dog's leg or something. Yeah, it, the the leg that was the right... Man, I know I'm not going to be able to sit here and try to articulate the positioning of it on the wall, but between the ankle and the knee, that part was bent backwards. Like, that was one thing that really stood out. It looked weird. Yeah. I was like, damn. I, I, and, the, you know, the blackness of it was all meshed in as one. So I couldn't really distinguish, is that the left leg or the right leg? Right. You know? Right. I couldn't, like, if you're looking at me, you can tell that this leg is not Right, but leg. if you were one solid. Right, one solid blackness, you wouldn't be able to tell. Right. And yeah. I couldn't, I could not tell, man. Yeah. But from what it looked like. But, that, j- that but the other leg looked. 
normal. The left leg, the, the right leg looked normal. Wow. It looked like it was supposed to look, but that left leg, just that part right there. That every time, when every time I try to draw it, I always make, always make a hard angle for that part, mm -hmm. just to let people know that's what I saw. The foot, and you can see the bottom of the foot. The foot was way, the way it was supposed to be. It had a heel, and the foot went up, and the toes were even bent onto the wall. I saw all that, but just that portion between, I, bet, I guess that's your shin. Mm -hmm. Like it had a joint where the shin is. Right, right. Like, like and the joint went reversed. Mm -hmm. I want it on record, and hopefully, if people who have seen this stuff could come forward, you know, and let it be known that they have also seen stuff, I wouldn't mind sitting down and talking to some people about it. Heck like yeah. I mentioned before, it's just therapeutic. When yeah. you told me that other people saw that black thing, I don't even really need to talk. I just want to hear somebody saying this so I can just kind of like resolve myself of, you know, that anxiety of knowing that I saw something that I have not heard nobody talk about. Right. And I know that I'm not crazy. Would you say this was, it had the same, you know, we talked about that sort of blacker than black. Yeah. Kind of, it was that yes. same kind of. It was just close up. Yeah. A black hole in the shape of a human. Okay. If yeah. you can yeah, imagine yeah, I got that. You. Yeah. A black hole in the shape of a human. So the texture of the color, you can't really put your hand on it. And that's probably the best way I can try to articulate that. You can't put your your hand on it. And if you reach out to touch it, almost like your hand would go through it. Mm -hmm. That was something that the guy in Florida had told me about. Eric had told me about in Hollywood. I was like, right. Like, if you try to hit it, you won't. Or if you go towards it, you might go into it. Right. And as weird as that sound, that's the best, that's the best I can do. So I want to kind of sum things up a little bit okay. and I have a feeling we'll be talking again and hopefully I'm going to take you out to Site 7 and we'll, we'll have some Definitely. more recordings with you but do you feel like this stuff ended or do you feel like it comes in waves is it still going on for you you feel like or, or you know how do you think that is I think that at any given moment it could kick right back up mm -hmm. and I've actually thought about just seeing the activity, if it's still out here, to call you up and ask you to come over. Mm -hmm. Or to let you know that, look, I'm going to try to see if stuff is still going on, just so you'll be able to say, yeah, I saw this too. Yeah, yeah. You know, to get you back out so you'll be able to say, well, well, number one is I did see what he saw. It ain't just the dude's words no more. I actually saw it. Mm -hmm. My whole thing with these podcasts was just to get it out there, yeah. get it off my shoulders. I'm clear of it now. Mm -hmm. Now it's for other people to come forward if they have stories. And I can sit back and be like, thank you. Yeah. You know, thank you, man. I just, I mean, it's a burden holding something in for that long. Yeah. And course. I'm, I can, man, I'm a master of that, man. I had an experience in 89 that I kept my mouth shut for 20 years into 2009 when I heard a guy on the Art Bell show calling and basically the same exact thing that happened to me happened to him. It just happened to him on a highway and it happened to me in a, in a mall. Mm -hmm. And after that, after I heard that in, I want to say that was October 09 when it, when I heard it, or August 09, when I heard that story on Art Bell, I started talking about it publicly. I was like, I've waited 20 years. <laughs> so I'm like a monk when it comes to patience. <laughs> I can wait. But the thing with the, the black thing, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to come forward with that now. I'm not even going to wait for somebody to have another story like that. I'll come forward. And if somebody's already done it, you, I can get a link to a, to a story somewhere. I wouldn't mind listening to it or right. the other people that you said spoke about this. One thing to kind of wrap it up, and you mentioned this in passing, and it's so interesting to me because people have heard me on the show talk about this in Seven Valleys before. 
this green light. I know it's a quick story, but if you don't mind just telling us, because like I said, I, I, every time I do a show about Seven Valleys or go down to Seven Valleys, it comes up. Wow. Basically, I was out on the deck one night, and I saw it look like a green, like, comet that hit the ground in the condo's parking lot that's, you know, basically in front of me. And it hit the ground, but you didn't, I didn't hear nothing. And it lit up the whole, that whole area where the parking lot is. It lit up and the light went up above the roofs. And I could see this thing. I could see this. And the light was green too. Yeah, the light was green. And I was like, okay. I said, a fallen star hit somebody's car. We should be getting the the sirens should be coming for the fire trucks. Because the Helen Fire Station is right there. It's right just outside the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right. That should be happening soon. So I waited. I was waiting for to hear the fire trucks and all that and lights to come on. No lights came on, no fire trucks. Five minutes passed, nothing. So I got in my car and went around there, nothing. I didn't see anything. So that was just a miscellaneous story like I was yeah. telling you. I was like, this is just to give you an idea of how, how much activity was out here. Right. i just tell you this miscellaneous story. And the next thing I know, you telling me you've heard that. Before. Oh, I've talked about it on the podcast a number of times. Wow. It's, again, it's usually in, in Seven Valleys, but, you know, same county, not terribly far away. That threw me so, off. Just yeah. your reaction threw me off because I didn't really think nothing of that. Right, right. It's just a visual. It's just something coming from the sky, a visual light. The end. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that, that happened. That, awesome. Well, wow. so interesting that we're finding these same things, you know. Yeah, and so I didn't, like I said, I didn't think much of that. Right. <laughs> Dylan, thank you for sharing your stories, yeah. and uh, hopefully we're going to hear more from you, because, like I said, I, I want to take you to Site 7 to see what happens. Are we definitely going to Site 7. All right. That's a must. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. So this Saturday, upcoming, October 9th, we will be in Columbia, Pennsylvania at the annual Albatwitz Day event. It's at Columbia Crossing by the river. Can't miss it. I believe it's rain or shine. So come on out. We have a tent. Yeah, We're going to we'll, be there either way. Yeah, we should be there. sort of gale force winds coming from up off the river somehow. Exactly. <laughs> the river. Ever flows its banks onto yeah. the t-shirts <laughs> exactly yeah. once my feet start getting wet you know we're out did they make you in high school do those like uh, safety tests where you had to like blow up your t-shirt and jump in a swimming pool and we didn't have a swimming pool at my high school we weren't <laughs> fancy like you we had a puddle outside the school no swimming in my high school they did take us to the bowling alley across the street <laughs> sometimes which in Maryland, we have duck pin bowling. We, oui, you're going back. I am a Marylander of convenience. Yeah, yeah. When it's, I'm talking about crabs or Old Bay <laughs> or duck pin bowling, I'm a proud Marylander. Yeah. At all other times, I've fully embraced Pennsylvania. There's no duck pin bowling here. I don't know if people are familiar with duck pin bowling. It's kind of like candle pin bowling from New England. I'm going to go ahead and admit candle pin bowling's even cooler than duck pin. Those are the only two kinds of bowling I will do, though. I don't like the big balls with holes in them. I like the little balls you can whip at <laughs> wicked speeds, as they would say in New England. Wicked. We had that in high school, but no swimming pool. So you'll be basically worthless when the when the tide Oh no, I can comes. swim. Oh yeah. See that's the that's the great <laughs> irony of it is that I'm a horrible swimmer. Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty good swimmer. I'm a fairly confident swimmer. Not technique wise. I don't have a good technique, but you know, I'm confident. I can keep myself afloat. 
But we will be at Albatwitch Day. We will have all of my books. We got a new shipment in this week, so we're completely restocked on books. We will have art prints. Allison has framed a couple of the prints. The Legend of Boggy Creek poster that you framed with my artwork. This has not to do with my artwork. This is all your framing job. It looks amazing. It's in this awesome black frame with this purple mat that matches the purple in the poster. It's really cool. We'll have that there. We have a framed print of Where the Footprints End, Volume 1 cover. Uh, we got a, a more simply framed version of the Boggy Creek poster as well. But I'll have all my other prints there. Some of them are matted, some of them not. We'll have Strange Familiars t-shirts. Some of the sizes are we're getting pretty thin on as far as quantities, so get there early, I guess, <laughs> to make sure you, you <laughs> or get your be, size. be an unpopular size is also <laughs> another option. Exactly. But we'll bring those along. We'll have the full compliment. John from Strange Familiars and Riverbend will be accompanying me. He'll have a few boxes of horror comics from Riverbend as well. So come on out. Come see us. Stop by. Say hello. Tell us spooky stories. We usually have a lot of fun there. In honor of Albatwitch, I found a ghost story from the area. Okay. This is from the York Gazette, June 1st, 1875, but it comes via the Columbia Herald. A spook, or as my grandmother used to say, a spook. <laughs> the Big Patch is an island that is formed in the river near Turkey Hill within the recollections of many of our inhabitants. And strange stories are current of late of an apparition being seen in that vicinity which has taken upon itself the form and dress of a soldier. It is seen hovering over the water in that neighborhood, sometimes pushing a canoe, at others apparently walking on the water. It is seen deliberately walking about on the island, smoking a pipe. Again, it may be witnessed in the air as if in the act of striding over the treetops, but always enveloped in the inevitable blue overcoat of the U.S. Army. One night last week, it was noticed on a deserted fishery, prone in the sand. About midnight, it suddenly arose, embarked in a phantom canoe, and pushing for the big patch, it landed, made a few strides in the direction of an unoccupied cabin, and upon reaching the door, entered and closed it, but was not seen to emerge during that night. So this is the Turkey Hill of the iced tea fame? Yes, Turkey <laughs> Hill is south of Columbia. If you're going to Albatwitch Day, and you're along the river, and you see some big white windmills to the south along the river, those windmills are on Turkey Hill, so you will know exactly where this story took place. I'm not sure I know exactly which island they're talking about, Big Patch, but... Is it one of the islands within the the river? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it'd be one of the... Those those, big patches in yeah, the river. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, ghost of a soldier hovering over the trees, walking on water. Was this one of the soldiers that was involved in the burning of the bridge? Well, it was a union know. guy, right? It so. was a union guy, yeah. But I'm, some union troops did come down to Columbia, I think. But it was the citizens of Columbia that burned the bridge. In any case, I don't believe this ghost story is one that they tell in Columbia on the ghost tours. So it's a bonus. I randomly found this today, completely <laughs> by accident. Went, that's perfect for the podcast tonight. Because I knew we were going to be talking about Albatwitch Day. Just the strange familiar synchronicity at work once again. I think Albatwitch Day starts at 10 in the morning. I could be wrong. <laughs> Sometime around 10. Yeah, we'll be there by then. Anyway, so. We'll probably be there. We we'll, better be there. We'll be there. We'll probably be mostly set up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Set up's a completely different issue. But stop by. It's a great day. They have trolley rides you can take. 
and they tell ghost stories. I think I think the ghost tours are on the trolley rides now. I don't think they do a separate ghost tour. When I led the ghost tour two years ago, it was a walking tour. But I think now the ghost tours are part of the trolley tour. They have some speakers speaking. I'm not sure how many or who's doing it. I'm not leading ghost tours. I'm not doing the trolley thing. I'm not speaking. I have so much fun at Alba Twitch Day just talking to everybody that I thought, you know what? This year, I'm just going to hang out, have my books and prints there, and just be able to talk to people. We're going to be behind tables. Social distancing is appreciated. Masks are even more appreciated if you want to go that far, but it is outside. We're certainly not going to try to enforce that or anything. We will be there. We will be looking forward to seeing everybody. That's this Saturday, October 9th in Columbia, Pennsylvania at Columbia Crossings. If you want to cross the bridge and go towards York, if you stay on that road, you'll go by American Daydream and you can buy Tim's books there. (laughs) If you have second thoughts, like maybe I should have bought that book, but I'm closer to York now. Well, a lot of people want to check out American Daydream. A lot of people who follow us on Instagram also follow them and have commented. I've seen like, oh, I really want to see that place. So yeah, you go across the old bridge and just keep going a little bit further west. Eventually, you'll see American Daydream. There's a Bob's Big Boy outside. Just the statue. Just the statue. Not the actual restaurant. Yeah, there's, I think the restaurant. Is... And they can purchase various antiques from your stand. Check out the other wares there at American Daydream. I believe Soraya is coming down. So you get a twofer and your podcast host if you want to meet me and Soraya. <laughs> you can meet us both. John will be there. Somebody else might be there. We're not saying... I'll be there for a while. <laughs> We're probably hiding in the back somewhere. Alice will make a rare appearance at Albatwitch Day. Who else is coming? Chad might stop by later in the day. Chad had to cancel, but he's not going to have a stand there, and he was going to lead some weed walks and so forth, do some fire-making demos and stuff like he did before. But he is unable to attend until later in the day, but he might stop by later in the day. So might be able to get to meet most of the crew. John will be there all day with me. Stop out and see us at Albatwitch Day in Columbia, Pennsylvania, this Saturday, October 9th. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. All right, so next, we have a Bigfoot sighting. Not us. <laughs> yeah, that would be really... I imagine you would put out an extra episode if oh, that yeah. were the case. It would oh, be yeah. like, this happened 10 minutes ago. We're going to talk about it right now. Absolutely. Hopefully, I'd actually have the recorder running when it happened. We will be talking to Aspen, who has a Bigfoot sighting in California. I like the story. This is a really cool one. Yeah, it's a nice, calm sighting. No aggression. Roadside sighting. Still, it's very, very cool. And then she tells me the story of this weird, you know, John Keel called them bedroom invaders. And I always think that sounds kind of like icky. Then I was calling them nighttime invaders. But some people sleep during the day, as Aspen does. So oh, I, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought about it. I mean, there's plenty of people who work night shift. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we need to call them sleep time invaders. So she has this interesting story of this sleep time invader as well. Let's go ahead and get to Aspen's story. I'd like to welcome Aspen to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. You have a couple things to share with us. And as much as you're comfortable, can you tell us when and where this happened? I guess we'll start with the Bigfoot thing because you know I love Bigfoot. <laughs> sure thing. This was out in California in Santa Cruz County. This was in November of 2011. I had gotten a flight to visit some family and I was going to be flying out of the San Francisco airport, which is about an hour, hour and 10 minute drive from Santa Cruz County. And I ended up getting a really early morning flight, like really early. So I had rousted my husband out of bed at like 2.30 in the morning, hit the road by 3 a.m. So I was driving and he was sleeping in the passenger seat. And we were going up this really twisty, windy mountain back road in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So through the redwoods, just thick, deep forest. This was part of my regular commute because at the time I worked over the hill, as we called it, um, on the other side of the Santa Cruz Mountains at a hospital over there. Okay. So I would make this drive four and five times a week. So you knew the road well. I knew the road well. It was yeah. my favorite road. It was maybe five or ten minutes longer in time, but such a more pleasant drive than the freeways. Yeah, I get that. I will do anything I can to... Uh... Take back roads instead of freeways. Yeah, it's old San Jose Road going from S Santa Cruz to San Jose, strangely enough. It's really well-built road. It's just two lanes. It's usually about 35 to 40 miles an hour that traffic travels. I think the posted speed limit is 35, but it's really well-banked. And so even though it's twisty, it's really fun to drive. <laughs> yeah. 
And I work night shifts, so I still do, as I'm about to go to work in a couple hours after this conversation. <laughs> so, yes, it was 3 a.m. driving a dark, twisty back road, but it was one that I was familiar driving in the dark. I usually drove it at 10, 30, 11 p.m. on the way into work. Mm-hmm. So, I was coming around a bend. My husband was sleeping, so I don't even think I had music on. I was just driving there, and he was going to drop me off at the airport and drive back. And I come around this bend, and my headlights catch someone walking in the middle of the road, coming downhill while I was going uphill. And my first thought was that it was someone in, like, a furry suit costume. Right. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Burning Man at all out west, but it's a big arts and hippie festival out in the desert. Yeah, I've seen the the photos and the articles on it and so forth. Yeah, the fake fur costumes are really a big thing there. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was someone wearing something like that. And I got a little bit closer, and I was like, no, that's that's not a person wearing a furry costume. <laughs> and then I was around the bend and gone. Like, it was pretty quick, enough to realize something wasn't right about it, other than that someone was walking down the middle of the opposite lane in right. the pitch black with no lights on them <laughs> at three in the morning. So you had to drive past this? Yeah, I drove right past it. It was... It was two lanes. I was going in the uphill lane. It was in the middle of the downhill lane, just ambling along. And did it seem height-wise or width-wise bigger than a normal human, or was it within normal human range? On the big end, but my husband is 6'6", so I'm skewed as to what I consider normal. Right, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. It's like, I consider him normal, but he's pretty tall. Right. Um, right. But yeah, it was big, and it was sort of like, colored like a golden retriever like not dark and not real light yeah sort of golden shaggy yeah and it just had so much adrenaline in that moment like when you narrowly dodge something a car accident you narrowly dodge an accident on the road right you get that sudden flood of yeah yeah was it a scary thing or more just like an exciting thing uh scary exciting yeah a little both yeah yeah like like if i had just dodged a deer or something mm-hmm. but a bit more yeah yeah i can imagine wow oh, that's really cool did you get a look at the eyes or anything no didn't really notice eyes or face at all but i'm face blind so that's not what i usually look at first in anyone yeah wow and uh, anything unusual about the gate or does it was it just too you know i it, it's just you know, you're it, driving, and at first you think it's a person. It could just be too weird of a situation to start taking notes of gates and, and uh, yeah, stuff I like didn't, that. Yeah, didn't happen too quick to notice the gate, yeah. really. Just that it was like a slow walk. It wasn't like someone running across the road or seeing the car and freaking out and running away. Yeah. Just calmly walking down the middle of the opposite lane. Amazing. Now, what time of day was this again? 3 a.m. It was oh, yeah. dark. Who's, who is walking that like that? With a, no light. Yeah, like, if exactly. It, if it was a human, you'd think they'd at least have a flashlight and maybe the sense to not walk in the middle of the freaking road. Yeah, especially if it's a, a curvy road like that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good way to get hit. And out in the Redwoods, I've seen a mountain lion cross the road in front of us. And that was amazing to witness. It moved like liquid gold. Mm-hmm. This moved nothing like that. It was on two feet. It was walking. Wow. you know wow so either there's just a just a killer rave out there in the woods somewhere 
with yeah. the, with a really tall guy, you know, maybe the height of your husband or or uh, even larger. Yeah, or, probably. Or uh, this was something else, and my money is on something else because, yeah, without a light and walking down that road, and you said it's a very curvy road, right? Very curvy, yeah. Yeah, that would be very dangerous. Yeah, and of course, my husband's asleep in the seat beside me, and by the time I'm like, do I even wake him up? Nope, we're gone. It's it's gone. We're around the corner. Yeah. Did you just wait till you got to the airport to tell him? I've never told him. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Would he not believe you, or is he not amenable to this sort of thing? I don't know. He would probably just think it was a crazy Santa Cruz hippie person mm-hmm. and just kind of blow, kind of blow it off. <laughs> but <laughs> it felt so weird, though. Yeah, yeah. A rush of adrenaline aside. Yeah. That is one of the sightings I would like to have, I think. I've caught sight of, like, flashes of things that I can't confirm is this or that, but... Uh, like a clear sighting from the car with no aggression. That'd be one of the ones I would like to have. The other one would be like at, you know, 50 yards maybe as it's, uh, maybe it shows its face to me and then just turns around and calmly walks away. Those are the two sightings I would like to call in. If I could have your sighting, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't know if that golden coloration is typical or not. Well, I mean, we just, we get them all over the board. You know, yeah, including that color that from reddish to that color, kind of blonde to brown and black and even white. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'd say it's probably less common than the, the darker, you know, the black or the dark brown. But but I have definitely heard it before. And if you consider the redwood duff, isn't that it's not that dark and undergrowth kind of forest. Mm-hmm. So what's this other sleep paralysis account? Ah, so. I don't know if it quite fits, but it was weird, so we'll go with it. Strange familiars, bring the weird. (laughs) Because I was considering that you always ask if people have had sleep paralysis, and I haven't, except maybe this weird thing, which might have been or might not. This was several years earlier, probably around, let's see, 2004, 2005. I was doing a lot of house-sitting for coworkers because I was single at the time and available and you know usually it was pet sitting honestly mm-hmm. while they went on vacations so i worked again i lived in santa cruz at that time i moved around a lot but i lived there a couple of times lived in santa cruz and worked over the hill in palo alto so i would house sit for coworkers that lived around palo alto very rich and fancy sort of mm-hmm. suburb of san francisco bay area i was in los gatos which is just over the hill from santa cruz just the other side of the Santa Cruz Mountains, in this nice condo situation. My coworker had and her daughter had recently adopted two semi-feral kittens that they were trying to socialize, so they didn't want them to like go backwards for the week that they were out of town, a right, long yeah. weekend. It was like four or five days. They wanted someone around to try and you know socialize the kittens. Mm-hmm. They were very skittish of me, and I didn't see much at all of them. But when I first got there and she showed me around the condo, she said, here's um, my son's room. You can sleep in here. He's away at the army. And it was just this stripped down room like it was like he had moved out, basically. Right. So there was a, a like a large twin size bed. But she opened the door and I immediately got this wave of, oh, nope, I am not sleeping in there. Huh. <laughs> it just felt too weird. Just dark, weird energy of just like, nope, never opening this door again. Now, is that something um, you have experienced in the past at other places? Only a couple of times, not very often at all. Mm-hmm. Just once in a while, I'd sort of walk into this 
shop or something and just go, uh-oh, nope, don't want to spend any time here. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was a kid at that point and tagging along after my mom, so I didn't have much of a choice. Right, right. And, and it so was just, just just his room, not the entire house. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. just that room. It's just like, nope, I am not welcome in here, and I do not want to spend any time in there with whatever is in there. So I ended up sleeping on the couch. I was, again, working night shifts, so I was sleeping through the day with just the curtains and blinds closed, and that's fine. I can sleep anywhere. But I sort of woke up at one point on the couch down there. Uh, the couch looked into toward the kitchen, and I sort of half woke up, opened my eyes, and there were these smoke things, like these areas of smoke, not figure-shaped at all, but not just a room full of smoke, like discrete areas of smoke. Mm-hmm that were just sort of coming toward me, and I did not like that at all, and I was freaking out quite a bit. And I eventually managed to roll over away from them and face the back of the couch and went back to sleep. (laughs) But when I woke up, those two feral kittens that I had seen neither hide nor hair of the entire time, one was sleeping on my shoulders and one was sleeping behind my knees. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So at the point you turned over and went back to sleep, you know, we hear this a lot. and I'm just trying to get sort of highlight this point. You would have been pretty freaked out, I assume. Yeah, I didn't you, like it at all. And I just wanted it to go away. And and yet somehow you're able to just go back to sleep. Yeah, I think the like the breaking visual contact with it. I won't say eye contact because it didn't have eyes. It didn't have a form. But like getting it out of my line of vision was enough of a relief mm-hmm. to like, okay, that's solved now. I can go back to sleep. Yeah. Nah, it's still a little weird to just go, yeah. just, just fall back to sleep. Uh, like pillars of smoke or more like distinct clouds or? More like clouds than pillars. Mm-hmm. Was there any color to it? No, just. Just that light gray, like uh, like wood smoke. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if sleep paralysis or something else, but, you know, what I would call the nighttime invaders, even though it wasn't nighttime. Was, I know, middle of the day, go yeah, figure. Yeah. Sleep time invaders, maybe we should call them. But, yeah, I mean, I think it counts. And, and the going back to sleep thing, is that's a drumbeat we hear all the time. So... Huh. Yeah, and those kittens, I didn't see them again after that. Once I woke up, they freaked out and ran back to their closet. That detail is very interesting, too. Like, yeah. just waking up and they're just like, eh, we're just going to hang out with you for a while. <laughs> or it almost felt like they were protecting me. Oh, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. But, yeah. They're like, okay, you're feeding us, we'll take care of you with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got your back, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's very neat. I like that story, too. Aspen, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Yeah, you're very welcome. All right, last up, we have John, who has this kind of fun story of a poltergeist in his girlfriend's apartment that stole his shoes. (laughs) That seems more like fairy behavior. You know, maybe one in the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, tonight we're talking with John, who has a poltergeist story to share with us. When did this happen, John? I think this was around four years ago. Uh, so relatively recent. Yeah, relatively recent. As much as you're comfortable, where was it? You can be as general as you want. You don't have to get real specific. Uh, Virginia. Southeastern Virginia. So what happened? Tell us the story. All right, so I guess a, a little backstory to that. I was seeing this girl, and in her house, randomly, which, which happened twice, some random things would just go missing from the house, and we would just never see it again. Once was like a like a mixing spoon you cook with, and it was up on the counter one day, and then one day it just wasn't there anymore, and nobody saw it after that. Mm-hmm. And at first, you know, like, well, whatever, stuff gets misplaced, people put things somewhere, who knows. But then... It got a little bit weirder because I would get up for the morning to go, you know, if I stayed at her house overnight, I'd get up in the morning to go leave and my shoes wouldn't be by the door where I normally leave them. And they have cats. So at first I was like, okay, might've been the cats playing with them, moving them around. But when I would find them, they were sitting right next to each other, perfectly sitting next to each other, just in a random spot in the house. And so... I was like, man, that's, you know, it's getting kind of weird now. Yeah, that every doesn't morning. seem like cat behavior. No, and, you know, you'd think the shoelaces would be undone or they'd be pulling on them, but no, they're still completely tied the way I left them, everything. Right. And then one of the other girls that were living in the house, her girlfriend, the same thing started to happen to her shoes. And she asked me one day, she was like, are your shoes moving? And I was like, yeah. She was like, yeah, mine too. <laughs> so, yeah, it happened to both of us, so it got weird. But then the uh, like the climax of it was one morning I got up, I went to go leave, and I'm walking down the hallway, and the way it was an apartment, the way you walk in the front door, you see the living room to the left, kitchen to the right, so it's all completely open pretty much. But you don't see the kitchen when you're walking on the hallway to go to the front door. So I'm getting ready to leave. I look down. My shoes are gone. I'm like, okay, they've been moved again, whatever. Let's see where they are now. So I turn around because I get this weird feeling and I turn around and they're in the middle of the kitchen and every cabinet door is wide open. It's it's like what you see in horror movies. It's like stereotypical, but I turn around and every single door is open. I mean, on top of the fridge, all of them. And my wow. shoes are sitting dead center in the middle of the living room or in the middle of the kitchen, excuse me. And I like look at it. I walk back to her room. I wake her up. I'm like, hey. My shoes are, you know, moved, but this time all, all the cabinets are open. And her and her roommates think that I did it or, like, played some kind of prank. And I'm like, in the five seconds that I went to go out the front door, I would have had no time to open up, you know, every cabinet and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And so they, like, didn't really think it was a big deal at all. And I'm like, yes, I don't think it's a little weird that all the cabinet doors wide open shoes are moving throughout the house. And, you know, we never see anything or we never saw anything in the house, no kind of like shadows or anything like that. It's just really strange. Like, you know, poltergeist activity. That's really weird. But the open cabinets, you hear that sometimes the one that really disturbs me you hear that goes with that. Is it turning on the, uh, the burners on the oven sometimes or on the stove rather? Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that too. And I remember checking, and I didn't exactly check the burners, but there was nothing weird in the kitchen. I was like, man, well, I got to leave for work, so I'm just going to go ahead and go and leave them all open. They got up and they just closed the cabinets, but 
yeah, I guess for some reason they thought it was either me or didn't know what it was or really think anything of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and was that it? Was that the end of it? That was pretty much the end of it. Yeah. As far as, you know, the poltergeist story goes, and I guess they kind of breezed right through it pretty quick, but it just, it started gradually is, is really the thing. Cause at first, you know, a shoe would move and then the more they would move around the house more every time I'd get up. And it's almost like, it was kind of like, you know, Hey, notice me, notice me. And then finally the cabinets are wide open. It's like, all right, you're noticed. <laughs> I, yeah. I see something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And did she move or did you break up or what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we ended up breaking up like, you know, a couple months later and I never talked to her after that, but also after that happened, nothing else, like nothing else happened after that. I don't think my shoes even got moved again. I mean, why did it start, but why did it end? That's yeah, yeah. exactly. That's really the skeptic weird. in me wants to say like, okay, well, let's, let's think of what it could be. It could have been, you know, they, somebody could have been sleepwalking or, you know, something like that. But I just, it's the fact that it started out of nowhere and stopped out of nowhere made it seem unlikely. Yeah. Well, maybe whatever it was, is that was uh, done with your shoes and uh, <laughs> com- completed whatever task it needed your shoes for in the other. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they say that like, uh, you know, poltergeists kind of act like children sometimes. So it's almost like once it did the big thing that I really noticed and it was like, oh, haha, now we're done here. or I'm done here rather. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So you don't know if she still lives there or anything? No idea. Yeah. Be interesting to know if afterwards after you know you left the picture if anything else ever happened yeah because they said it never really happened before that and so you know i wonder if it's something that i brought in you know tracked in the house you know no pun intended but right something yeah something i might have pulled right. in i mean I, I haven't had many sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no i was just going to ask if you had any other experiences like that like growing up or anything no, not really. And I've really, really like wanted to. I've wanted, you know, to see something paranormal, something happen. And that's been pretty much it as far as uh, as stuff I've experienced. And uh, you know, it's just putting on the skeptics hat here. Mm-hmm. Do you think there was any chance it was one of her roommates messing around or anything like that? I thought I thought that originally, but it's just kind of like the way it was so anticlimactic, and and nobody really made a big deal of it. I just I don't know. You know, it's possible for sure, but from what I gathered about them and what I knew about them, it didn't seem very likely. Yeah, and it seems like like human nature would, you're you're either going to continue it or at some point you're going to reveal the joke, you know, haha, got, yeah, got yeah. one over on you, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I mean, really the only other weird thing that ever happened to me is, is sleep paralysis all the time. I mean, I get it probably three times a week maybe. Really? Oh, yeah, for a long time, too. But it's never, I never see anything. There's no auditory hallucinations, nothing. I'll just, I'll either be falling asleep or, and it's it's usually when I'm falling asleep, I'll kind of like, I can feel it coming on. I'll go into sleep paralysis and things will be weird. And sometimes there'll be weird dreams associated with it where I'll, when I'm paralyzed, I'll kind of fall in and out of sleep and get weird dreams from it. But no, I haven't seen any like you know any shadows in the corner. You know, you hear stories about like the like the staticky looking people that that kind of come in, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, none of that. It's always just been really heavy paralysis that I can usually get myself out of pretty frequent. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Thirty-one. Okay, you may find it start to fade. 
Mm. Usually they say it starts fading out in your 30s. Just what I've read and what I've heard. But, yeah, and uh, it, started, it started in like my like mid-20s and then would do that for a while. And Sometimes I'll have bouts where I won't... Uh, where I won't experience it, but I've noticed that if I really think about sleep paralysis or like hear something about it, usually that night or the next night, I'll get it. That's wild. Do you know if you ever had sleep paralysis in your girlfriend's place? I don't remember, but I'm sure I did because I would get it pretty frequently. Actually, yes, because I remember people have to, I'm able to make noises when I get sleep paralysis. So if I can't like get myself out of it, I tell people, hey, if I'm like in bed and I start making a weird noise or something, wake me up. I'm usually, I'm probably going into sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that happened there. That's a lot. A few times a week is a lot. Right. Yeah. that's. And I thought it was pretty normal until I looked into it. And I was like, oh, that's usually, it's like a once a month thing for most people. If that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was, it was way less frequent than that. And, and that was enough for me. But uh, so you haven't seen entities or anything like that? No, nothing like that. And I always, but I always make it a point to close my eyes for you know whatever reason. Like, it's a scary like scenario when you wake up and you're like, oh, I can't move, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a very disconcerting feeling. So how do you mm-hmm. get how do you get out of it? You said you can shake yourself out of it. Do you have a technique? Uh, sometimes I was kind of. I don't know, just try to try to shift my body as much as I can or try to move at least one limb. Mm-hmm. And I find if I can move at least something, I can usually get the rest of it to can kind of start rolling. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, other people have said that, you know, they try to move a finger or something. And then once yep. they, can, they can get that moving, they can shake themselves out of it. But uh, Luckily, I don't experience it too much anymore. They haven't in really in a long, long time. And, and, uh, I'm fine with that. I'm fine if I never do again. Yeah. No kidding. And, uh, I mentioned kind of like the weird dreams that come along with it. And what, what will happen is I'll fall back asleep and not realize it. And I'll think that I'm getting up out of bed to get out of paralysis, but then I'll notice things are off and then I'll realize, Oh, I'm still paralyzed. I'm still like, this is a dream. I'm not actually up yet. And then I'll, I'll be back in my bed and like realize where I'm at. Mm-hmm. and that'll happen pretty often where I think that I'm getting out of it and like not exactly an OBE but it kind of feels like it sometimes yeah and those are very disconcerting those kind of dream within a dream things yep it, mm-hmm. yeah and I'm, I haven't been able to go lucid yet and you know from it or have any lucid dreams yeah it definitely gets weird I'll think that I'm I'm up and I'm moving around but then things will just be off and then you know you kind of realize oh I'm in a a dreamlike state still and then I'll try to wake myself and then try to wake myself up once I realize oh I'm you know I'm still laying in bed Mm -hmm. yeah well uh, hopefully it'll fade for you as I've read it does and it it was the case with me I think in my 30s it it really started fading I didn't have it anywhere near as often as you though I want to say with me it was maybe once a year a couple times a year oh wow okay Um, so for when I was, it, when it was most intense, it was more often than that. It was probably once or twice a month, but then it sort of faded out, and then it would be like maybe once a year. And then in my thirties, it just you know suddenly it just didn't happen. So who yeah. knows? That's uh, sleep paralysis is one of those things that's I think it's one of those both end things. I think it's you know it is an explanation for these things, but also it is a like a doorway for. Uh, 
for the other sometimes as well. And I don't know how it works. So it's a bug. Yeah. And I've wanted to explore that. And like every time I get sleep paralysis, I'm like too scared to really like lean into it and just mm-hmm. let myself feel it and see what could happen. I'm always like, as soon as I realize it, I'm like, okay, gotta get out, gotta get out, gotta get out. But yeah. I kind of wish that I would lay there and be like, all right, well, let's see, let's see where this goes and see what happens. It's kind of like that fight or flight thing happens and you're like, oh, all right, it's either one or the other. And I always end up trying to, you know, get out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, if you end up seeing anything, I, I kind of hope you don't. But if you end up seeing anything, let us know and uh, let us know if your poltergeist comes back. Absolutely. All right, John, thanks for sharing your stories. Not a problem. Thank you. If you have a spectral puppy that's chewing on your <laughs> shoes and making off with them to different parts of the apartment and you find them in the or morning. Or the world. <laughs> neatly arranged in a room that you didn't leave them in. Or if you have a real puppy that needs help with potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on those shoes or furniture or other things that shouldn't be chewing on, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more, you'll want to be getting 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. With their relationship-based approach to training, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources like video lessons. They have a secret Facebook group. One-on-one options are available. You can find them again at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Again, go to sithappens.us and look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. This is an Allison oddity. If I've ever seen one, what the heck are we looking at? It's not that. <laughs> you act like it's like a toenail necklace. <laughs> it's an autograph album, basically, from the turn of the century, from a girl who was born in the 1880s in Germany. And so a lot of her family members and friends actually have written these little messages to her in German. Some of them are English. And then it also has quite a few pieces of trade card and Victorian scrap cutouts attached to the adjoining pages. So it's a neat little scrapbook, autograph book, combo kind of thing here. Yeah, it's basically the equivalent of like, you know, the cheesy yearbook sayings, but in a much more elegant turn of the century (laughs) version of it. I like old handwriting, so I can't resist pretty old handwriting. Yes. We will try to put some pictures of not just the cover, but some of the, the interior of this up because there's some, like you said, some neat Victorian kind of scrap. The printing back then was just beautiful. Yeah, there really was a lot of focus on people having nice handwriting, something we... I meant the printing of, of the scrap, though. But oh, yeah, a lot of it, most of them are German die cuts, so they're like, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're just really well they, printed. And yeah. They just look really nice. So this was the autograph book of, it says her name, I saw it in here. This book belonged to... This, maybe somebody wrote this after she passed. Or something. Yeah, that looks like more more contemporary handwriting. Or... Mm. Is that Anna Rosina? I can't read the last name. Um, I think it was, yeah, it's something German. Like... Yeah. 
Maybe Stanley, Sterley, not quite sure. Yeah. In any case, we've got our autograph book. <laughs> it does not um, include anyone particularly famous that I can see. It was a... A lot of these autograph books are just uh, people, you know, I remember having an autograph book and it was when I was a kid and it was filled with like relatives at Christmas time because I had nobody else to ask. <laughs> well, there you go. If you go to the show notes under this episode, you'll see an image of this. If you click that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and some other curiosities of the week. I can't believe the skeleton from last week didn't sell. It happens. I don't know, guys. We still have time, though. That's the that's the drumbeat here. Yeah, that was a cool one. I think somebody should scoop that up. We still have some of the pain tablets as well. We bought a whole box of this. We have multiple. More Victorian pain multiple reducers. rolls of them we don't even know like we haven't broken one open they're in these wooden rolls yeah, i can't and, bear yeah. to do it but i'm curious to see what it looks like in there i don't even know how they open you know yeah, they look like they're entirely sealed in a wooden th- i don't know yeah i don't yeah. get it in any case we have more of those as well while you're at our etsy shop you can pick up some artwork all of my books are there if you can't make it out to albatwitch day strange familiar stickers patches and more our shop name is lost grave but if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up. While you're on Etsy, check out our friends at Karmic Garden. They have the Strange Familiars scented soap and a Flannel Man scented soap as well. Many, many other fine smelling things. And check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. I'm hoping very soon, I mean the next, I'm hoping sometime this month, to be able to make an announcement about the episode 300 project. It's called The Witch Cloud going to be a hardcover book and a download of the audio lots of extras lots and lots of extras if you buy the book it'll come with a patch and a sticker at least the initial copies we're going to do a version with a record the first black happy day song that we've recorded in 15 years or something all kinds of bonuses i did a new trading card as well if you've been collecting the trading cards i've released with other stuff so that's coming up we'll be taking pre-orders for it soon i'm just waiting for the record basically that's it once i get the record in hand then we can start taking pre-orders the only way to get that is either going to be to buy the book get the download of the audio of the episode with it and all the extras and so forth or to buy the download by itself that will be an option or if you're a patron we always say patrons get every episode and you will get this episode but it will be sometime down the road eight months, a year, or something like that, we'll go ahead and give the audio to patrons. So we encourage everybody to get the book and the download because it's honestly, it's a really cool package. I was able to combine everything I like to do in one project. Music, art, writing a book, doing a podcast, all in one. I'm super excited about it. Again, we'll be announcing it, exactly how to pre-order it. We won't be quiet about it. You're not going to miss it. <laughs> a couple of people have emailed me and like, did I miss it? Did that episode 300 thing come out? No, you won't miss it. We'll be loud about it. And I'll be uh, hopefully making the rounds on podcasts and stuff and letting people know it's out there. So get ready for that. It's coming soon. Like I said, we'll be taking pre-orders. That'll be episode 300, The Witch Cloud. I mentioned patrons will get that down the road for free, just the audio of it. It's a great way to help us out by becoming a patron. You can go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Check out all the different options there. We have all different tiers of support. All of our patrons get extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We're doing two every month. I'm really excited about one of the episodes this month. I have to record something specifically for that. But once I get that done, I will go ahead and do that. 
It'll be something different, something I've wanted to do for quite a while. So I'm excited about that. But we'll be doing two episodes at least this month. Maybe we can squeeze something special out for Halloween as well. We'll see. Patreon.com slash familiars. They have yearly subscriptions. They have monthly subscriptions. Your choice. Either way, it helps the podcast. If you don't like subscriptions like Patreon and you want to make a one-time donation, you can go to the show notes under any episode at strangefamiliars.com. Click on the paypal.me link and you can make a one-time donation there. I want to thank our patrons so much because we could not do Strange Familiars at all without our patrons' help and support. Allison, do you have anything else to add? Oh, put me on the spot. No, actually, I don't. <laughs> anything to promote, Allison? Um, this isn't this where people usually talk about like what comedy club they're going to be at? Yeah, or exactly. What? Yeah. What date I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Allison will be doing a comedy set at <laughs> Albatwitch Day this Saturday. <laughs> That's like my nightmare. <laughs> I've always been under the impression that we just do this for ourselves and that there aren't people listening. Right. That's the only way I can rationalize doing it. Exactly, yeah. And it took me a while to even get to do that, so... I know. Well, anyway, come out and see us this Saturday at Albatwitch Day, October 9th, Columbia, Pennsylvania. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, even though it crashed this week. I don't think it was because <laughs> of Strange unrelated. Familiars. Yeah. Facebook.com slash Strange Familiars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We're on Instagram, at Strange Familiars, one word. And you can always find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com. In 2019, the first Strange Realities Conference took place in Nashville, Tennessee. The pandemic and turmoil the following year could not stop 2020's conference from thriving in cyberspace as a live streaming event. Now, for 2021, the third annual Strange Realities Conference will combine these worlds into a paranormal hybrid event, live in person in Nashville and streaming online. Join us in exploring just how truly strange our reality can be with an interdimensional lineup of speakers presenting unique and intellectual perspectives on magic, mysteries, and the paranormal. Featuring Alan Greenfield, Dr. J. Michael Bennett, a.k.a. Dr. Future, Tim Banal, Soraya Asgath, Dr. Stephen Finley, Aaron Gullius, Amy Pachula, Brent Raines, Chris Ernst, Heather Mosher, Michael Hughes, Jose Herrera, Joshua Cutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Nathan Isaac, P.D. Newman, Steven Snyder, a.k.a. Recluse, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Steve Stockton, and Brent Collier. Tickets available at StrangeRealitiesConference.com. It's going to be amazing.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.